G'day and welcome to the podcast of Outpost Church in McLaren Vale. We hope you find this encouraging. That work. Um, I'm really looking forward to sharing tonight and really feel stirred up about a few things. And uh, I was going to speak on one thing and really feel prompted to to talk in a different direction. And yeah, I really believe it's from God and it's timely and it's and it's needed and it's personal for me too. Like I really feel convicted um, about the things that I'm going to share about tonight. And I'm really, yeah, expectant that God will speak um, to us through me and what I'm bringing, but it's from his word and from, yeah, that, that we would be uh, positioned to hear and receive what what he's wanting to say to us today so let me pray as I feel very dependent on God to to speak because my thoughts can be a bit jumbled at times but I want to be able to bring a clear word that will bring um, encouragement so let's pray father I just want to acknowledge that you know without you I we can do nothing nothing that has lasting impact or consequence um, but with you, we know amazing things can happen, and that well, all we need is is one word from you, and it can change everything. And Lord, we we come ready to hear and receive what what you want to say to us. Amen. I was just recently I've been reading through the Bible. I'm doing a reading plan, and um, I'm just going to. Um, I'm doing a reading plan and, and going through the Old Testament is always interesting and challenging to do that. Um, I try to do it every second year, read all the way through the Bible. Sometimes it's a bit of a chore, but I do find it helpful to just things, you know, stand out to you and reading the whole Bible. There's, all, there's lots of things that people avoid with good reason <laughs> that are in the Bible because they're difficult and challenging, but I think it's good to keep coming back to those things and, and um, seeking to understand. But one thing that stood out to me, and it just came to my mind as I was, uh, we were worshipping, but there's there's this bit where the, the Israelites are going to, you know, God's brought them to the promised land and it's time to go into the promised land. And they're sort of camped on the other side of the Jordan and, and they're getting ready to go over and to take this long-awaited promised land that's, there's been such anticipation and build-up to this time. And there's a couple of the tribes and they just, they come to Moses and they're like, we're really happy on this side of the river. We really like this bit of land. We just want this land here. Like, we don't need a share on the other side. Just give us a share on this side and we'll be content. And after a bit of back and forth about it, uh, Moses relent, uh, you know, gives them that land, but says, you know, they still have to help and fight with the others to, to conquer the, the land for the brothers and not take you know that they're agreeing to not take a share but then they can come back and settle on on that side of the river but I just think you know it's pretty it's it's interesting to me and sort of intriguing and sad like they don't know what's on the other side yet like they don't know what they're what they could have and they're already saying no I'm content I'm good with this bit here what I've already found and I guess that you know that rings true to me. Something I reflected on over the years is this idea of yeah, where do we 
level off as Christians? Where do we go? I'm satisfied. I'm content. Like I have enough. I have enough from God. And on one hand, of course, we should always be content, like what God's done for us and what he has. It is more than enough. We are to be content in that sense. But then there's also this sense of this invitation, which, you know, read about in Ephesians of there's more of his love to discover. And and it's only us that puts limits on that where we think, oh, I've had a good experience. I've had some good times. I've had some good encounters. I have a good sense of God sort of being there with me. I'm, that's enough. Like, I'm okay with that. I can get by with that. And that's actually really, really tragic. And that's not what we're called to in Christ, not to be satisfied and content on this side of the Jordan, on this side of the promised land, when he's invited us into something that knows no limits and knows no ends, and he's inviting us to come in and experience more. And he's actually... You know, we like to put limits on God and Christianity and church and, you know, we're sort of joking Scott with Scott and Beth last night. We were talking and, like, I get personally how, how you know, you can get to a point where you just go, all right, we're just going to have the order of service. We're going to have time for this, time for that, time for that. And, all right, the smoother the better. The less complicated, the better. The less interruptions, the less messiness, the better, the easier. People can come and have a nice time, go home. That's nice. Like, I, I understand the appeal of that um, now more so as someone that leads a church, um, you know, and I guess I'm, I'm reflecting myself on times where I've had lots of hunger and desire to discover more of God. And I guess I'm asking myself the question, you know, have I become satisfied before God's, you know, finished? Like, am I content with, with something that he's actually trying to say, no, there's more, you know, you need to keep pressing into me. And uh, I want to share a little bit of part of my story um, in my faith journey when we lived in Darwin. I was pregnant with Hudson, so Hudson's now 10. Um, and I was pregnant with Hudson, we were living in Darwin, Baby number three, it's very hot in Darwin, very, very hot and humid, and it's not comfortable when you're pregnant, um, and it's not a comfortable place to live in any any way, especially if you love winter, which I did, and um, I did. It is a key word, because I have, I have, I actually, when I was in Darwin, I prayed, and my prayer was God, and I thought this is the most, speaking of ask or imagine, I couldn't imagine ever liking the Darwin humidity, um, but I pray, God, if it's possible, <laughs> help me to like this weather because it's so, I can't imagine being able to thrive in this climate. And I, I don't know, I think maybe the full answer is still yet to come, but I definitely, he definitely enabled me to thrive to a degree. <laughs> and I left, when we left Darwin, I actually came out loving summer. And I went in and winter was my favorite. I actually came out, I had a had a, a, a renewed love or a, a love for summer that I didn't have before. Um, but at this point, I was pregnant with Hudson, and I was just going through a, a season where, you know, I felt a lot of people around me kind of, I was disappointed. I was disappointed with friendships, and I felt quite lonely. You know, I was away from family, and, you know, Shane's working full-time as a teacher. Actually, for a chunk of our pregnancy, my pregnancy, he was, he busted his shoulder and he was at home quite depend, dep terrible timing to be dependent uh, physically when your wife is like six months pregnant, right? 
So he's like all holed up in a chair. So I have to do everything and look after him and the kids and it's hot and and I just I, f- I really lacked for good friends at that time and I had a lot of a few friends and and every, it felt like every time I made a plan to connect with someone to catch up which I was like desperate to do. I'm a people person and I thrive on being with other people and I just wasn't getting enough time with people and and I'd make a plan to see someone in the morning of it would always be the morning of like they'd cancel it's not and then it's like too late to make other plans and you're like no another morning at home all, like all day with the kids and I don't know what to do and it's too hot to go so like it was quite you know tormenting at times of just feeling like trapped and not knowing what to, you know what to do and I remember in that time period just feeling a bit annoyed at God like what about the fellowship of the Holy Spirit like you're meant to be my best friend but like I'm not feeling it I'm not it's like you're not you're not there and why do I crave to be with people so much and yet I know that you know I meant to say God's my best friend but I'm like I'm not really feeling it why does it still feel better and easier to be with other people and you know and I just had that uh, in my soul and frustration and annoyance like I want to know what it's like to have the fellowship of the Holy Spirit. I know a lot about God and I love God, but I didn't feel that closely connected to him relationally. And I wasn't that happy on my own, in my own company. I wanted, I needed other people around me all the time. And so it was kind of in that that time, I don't know, within that week or so, or, you know, close to that time in that prayer, um, I was in the car driving, not even thinking about any of this stuff. And I had a very, it's probably one of the clearest times I remember hearing God's voice. And not audibly, but very clear uh, in my mind when I wasn't thinking about this at all, was there is more. And that just really rung in my heart. And just, it, this, there is more. There's more to know of me. There's more to experience of me. And not to be satisfied with just knowing about me, but you can know me. And there is a deeper connection available. And so that probably, you know, really prompted a, a different journey. And I guess, you know, that was a time period for me where I felt very poor in spirit. I was very aware of my neediness. Like, I just felt like this clingy, needy person. Like, I was, you know, I've often said that women, and I'm sure the same for men too, but we're just a bottomless pit of emotional need. Like, no man can fill that pit of need. And uh, no person can fill that pit of it. It's the, there's such a longing for more. And I was really, you know, searching for that. And I guess over the years, God's answered that prayer in different ways and a deeper connection with him and intimacy with him, you know, in in the years after that time. I have really discovered a deeper intimacy with God that I never had previously. And I always felt that he was just that bit out of reach, like like God's out there and I'm trying to get out to him. And, um, and then I realized the opposite was actually true. Like he's right here and I just need to learn to receive what he already has I don't have to prove anything or jump through any hoops and I guess the one thing we talked about too in that sit sit, walk stand when we look through the book of Ephesians about you know the primary thing is about sitting and being what God's looking for is an applicant someone that's able to receive really that's the only thing we're really required to do as a Christian is to be a good receiver how do we be good at 
receiving his love and blessings because he's got so much to give us and the only barriers are within us to receive it and how do we learn to help him as he removes those obstacles and and trust him and 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 also to desire what he has for us I guess the key question I want to ask tonight is how are you positioned what is your position before God are you positioned before are you aware of that need for him some of us are really aware of that need for whatever reason in the seasons we're in we're very aware we're painfully aware maybe because of grief or loss or things that are not right in seasons like that like I was in it's easy to be very aware of our need and very much more maybe calling out to God but sometimes we're in a season where there's things that are going really well and we're quite happy and we have a lot of blessings, things we've asked for from God and he's given them to us and, and we are less aware of that need. But it's so important that we learn how to be positioned before God as that needy, um, attentive one despite what's going on physically, that we are stay in tune with the fact that we need him and there is more. And you know, I just, I really desire for myself and for us as a church that we don't get comfortable. We don't find a place to camp out and level off. Like, if you think of our spiritual journey as like a mountain we're climbing, I think, I see, I feel like this happens all the time. Like, we start off and we're enthusiastic. Yes, like, I can see where we're going. Like, this is going to be great. We're going to adventure with God. We're going on this journey with him. And, and then we get to like, ooh, base camp. Ooh, this is nice. Like, oh, here's a lovely little cozy cave and I can set up in here and, you know, I'm still, like, with God. I'm still, like, about him, but I found a comfortable place to stay and to stop. And I just think we, we can just get stalled or stopped along the way and, and camp out and just settle in and, and level off. And, and then we look back after a few years and go, I haven't, nothing's really that different over the last five years. It's kind of same, same, same. And it's... <laughs> there's always more there's always more to know of his love and and it's not about outward signs of blessing as much as that inward life with him that intimacy and that connection that communion with God that is meant to be deepening and growing and from which we receive those wells of life and blessing and are able to pour out to others and he does bless us with so many other things and material things and that we just have to be wary and cautious that those things don't eclipse him. And just so I, I spoke about money a few weeks ago. In some ways, I feel like this is a part two about money. Like, you can't, we cannot serve God and money. We cannot have two masters. We can only serve one. Who is our master? Who are we leaning into? And, and part of how we know this is, like, what gets us excited? What gets us what do we celebrate in life? What are we excited about? What gets us up early? What keeps us up late? What do we spend our money on? What do we spend our time on? Our love, our devotion, our commitment to God is seen in those things. And we need to stop and reflect and go, not in condemnation, but in, you know, honesty before God. Because he, what a tragedy for us to miss out on the best he has for us. Like, you know, FOMO? Have you heard of FOMO? Fear of missing out. 
that gets attributed to lots of things in culture, like fear of missing out on the best concert or this or that or wanting to be in on the action. I think we all need a healthy FOMO about the things of God. Like, I don't want to miss out on the best that God has for me. I don't want to trade that in for something less, even if it's something good, but it's less. I don't want to trade that in. Can you turn with me to Psalm 123? There's Bibles scattered around if you want one. Um, But just think, how are you, how are we positioned before God? 123, from the Psalm of Ascents. I lift my eyes to you, the one enthroned in heaven, like a servant's eyes on his master's hand, like a servant girl's eyes on her mistress's hand. So our eyes are on the Lord our God until he shows us favor. Show us favor, Lord, show us favor, for we've had more than enough contempt. We've had more than enough scorn from the arrogant and contempt from the proud. I just think this path about like thinking of the servant girl, the servant looking at the hand, waiting for the signal, waiting for the moment that they're asking for something. Like that's our position. That should be our position before God. Attentive, watching, eager to, you know, ready. And you see this throughout. We see um, this idea throughout scripture. And I won't turn to all of these, but there's thinking about Mary and Martha. We quite familiar with the story Mary sitting at the feet of Jesus Martha's busy in the kitchen and Martha's getting angry and annoyed like Mary why aren't you helping me and Jesus gently corrects Martha and says no Mary has chosen the better thing there's only one thing that matters and she has found it won't be taken from her and like what was Mary's position before God she's at his feet she's attentive she's humble She surrendered. She's sacrificing other things to be in that position. And we see Martha. And God responds in love to Martha. But she's busy. And I really resonate with this because I feel like, oh, I've been such a Martha. I've been so busy for God, forgetting to stop and be at his feet and just love him and receive from him. And what is he saying? What is he doing? Of course, we all know there's a time to serve and, love and be busy and doing things, but what he calls us to, but we need to be, you know, in a position of surrender at his feet, listening to him. And, and again, this, this is where we level off. We go, oh, I catch a glimpse of something he's wanting me to do or something. Say, all right, I'm going to go do that for the next five years and then forget to come back and like lean in. Oh, what was that again? Is that still what you want me to do? Is there something more? Do I just need to receive love from you? What is our position before God? And and where are we looking for our fulfillment? Where are we looking to have that hunger in our souls quenched? What relationships are the ones that bring us satisfaction? What things are we hungering and craving? Only he will truly satisfy and he gives us so many good things and this is the struggle because you know it would be easier if we just had sometimes all these things taken away. But he's so good to us. He's so kind. He lavishes blessings on us in many seasons of our lives. 
but will we still recognize him as the only true source? Will we keep watching him? And in like in the in the parable of the ten virgins, and you know that they were they were called to wait and to watch, to be ready, to be watching for him, to respond when the bridegroom came. They weren't all ready. Are we, are we ready? Are we waiting? Are we watching? Is he our first love? Are all other options exhausted? You know, have we, will we relinquish those other things that we go to? You know, where's our attention? Like, there's such a competition for our attention in these times. Like, and with the with social media and all that, we've heard it all talked about. But, like, the way everything's targeted is for our attention. It wants our attention. It's looking for us to engage, to just have our eyes looking at it. Are our eyes fixed on him? Is our gaze on him? Is our stance resolute? for him alone because that's the call we cannot we can't have a bit of everything it's jesus alone he will tolerate no rivals but that's for for us for our sake and you know the road is narrow that leads to life not many find it that's what it says. Uh, is our hunger there to go? This We're in a journey. We're in a battle. We only have one short life. And as we've been reminded in recent we don't know when that life is over. Is each day, is each moment being dedicated and poured out to him? Because nothing else matters. Nothing else. We're not here for any other purpose but for him. How are we positioned before him? When we're positioned before him, we are able to receive all that we need. And he pours it out generously for us. And I, for one, want to have more of what he has for me. It says, you know, in Isaiah 40, those that wait upon the Lord will renew their strength. And in Acts, um, well, at the end of Luke, Jesus said, Go and wait for me, and I will clothe you with power from on high. And when we're positioned before him, when we wait before him, when we ask him, when we seek, ask, and knock, he gives us what, he, what we need. He pours out unconditionally on us, but there is, he calls us to draw near. Draw near to God, and he will draw near to you, it says in James 4. He's asking us to use our freedom of choice, to use out of all the options we have, we make a declaration with our choice, how we spend our time, where we fix our attention, what we do with our money. It's all a declaration of devotion and worship to him. Yeah, I just, I really want to challenge myself, challenge us that we would never settle and be satisfied. I'm personally not interested in just having a nice little church time and having a good time together. That's nice, but like we're here for so much more. And 
we can't do it without God. We, can't, we, want to, we want him to do amazing things. We want to see lives transformed. We see the community transformed. We see the nation transformed. We cannot accomplish this. It's not in our power or ability, but it's in his power and ability. And as we wait before him, as we're positioned before him, as we put him first, we're able to receive all that we need to do that. And we will be one in doing that, you know, and it's something that we do corporately, not just as individuals, as a body of people, as we become devoted and poured out for him, that he's suddenly has something to work with. I mean, imagine just, you know, just a handful of people that are devoted to God, just totally devoted to him. He can do, you know, he had 12 disciples that were sold out from, they changed the world. You know, how many people in this room? 40? What are, what are 40 devoted people in this region look like? What, what happens? And we can all only be responsible for ourselves. But then together, you know, we're called to live that out and encourage one another. But we, and I say this, you know, humbly, like, I know I'm not, I'm not doing amazing at this. I'm not doing nearly as well as I want to be in devoting that time to God. You know, I struggle to have 10 devoted minutes to God each day. And that's tragic, you know, consistently. I'm doing lots of things for God. I mean, I'm reading the Bible daily. I find that easier. But like just sitting in his presence and just receiving from him, I find that so hard. And that's part of what we're trying to do with the discipleship groups is to help help all of us to like learn how to do that. Because it is hard and we have a kind of this ADHD culture where we can't be focused on one thing for more than 10 minutes to like learn how do we get in the word how do we sit in prayer how do we receive from God there's something to learn and it's okay if we're learning but like let's lean in and be positioned to grow and recognize we haven't arrived there is more and let's pursue that let's encourage each other and let's 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 keep climbing the mountain let's keep going forward so I just want to end with reading Isaiah 40 um, and then we'll have a bit of time of kind of prayer and just response time. And we'll put on a, a, a worship song for a little bit and just want to give you guys space to sit and, yeah, respond to God in whatever way you need to. And then we'll finish with a corporate worship song. Um, but some of us maybe need to repent and maybe just go, God, like I've... I've leveled off. I've become satisfied with where I'm at. And just to say, God, I'm, I'm open to more. I'm open to what else you have. Isaiah 40. Comfort, comfort my people, says your God. Speak tenderly to Jerusalem and announce to her that her time of forced labor is over. Her iniquity has been pardoned, that she has received from the Lord's hand double for all her sins. A voice of one crying out, prepare the way of the Lord in the wilderness. Make a straight highway for our God in the desert. Every valley will be lifted high and every mountain and hill will be leveled. The uneven ground will become smooth and the rough places a plain and the glory of the Lord will appear and all humanity together will see it for the mouth of the Lord has spoken. A voice was saying, cry out. Another said, what should I cry out? All humanity is grass 
And all its goodness is like the flower of the field. The grass withers, the flowers fade, when the breath of the Lord blows on them. Indeed, the people are grass. The grass withers, the flowers fade, but the word of our God remains forever. Zion, herald of good news. Go up on a high mountain. Jerusalem, herald of good news. Raise your voice loudly. Raise it. Do not be afraid. Say to the cities of Judah, here is your God. See the Lord God comes with strength and his power establishes his rule. His wages are with him and his reward accompanies him. He protects his flock like a shepherd. He gathers the lambs in his arms and carries them in the fold of his garment. He gently leads those that are nursing. Who has measured the waters in the hollow of his hand or marked off the heavens with the span of his hand? Who has gathered the dust of the earth in a measure or weighed the mountains on a balance and the hills on the scales? Who has directed the spirit of the Lord or who gave him counsel? Who did he consult? Who gave him understanding and taught him the paths of justice? Who taught him knowledge and showed him the way of understanding? Look, the nations are like a drop in a bucket. They are considered as a speck of dust on the scales. He lifts up the islands like fine dust. Lebanon's cedars are not enough for fuel or its animals enough for a burnt offering. All the nations are as nothing before him. They are considered by him as empty nothingness. With whom will you compare God? What likeness will you set up for comparison with him? An idol? Something that a smelter casts and a metal worker plates with gold and makes silver chains for? A poor person contributes wood for a pedestal that will not rot. He looks for a skilled craftsman to set up an idol that will not fall over. Do you not know? Have you not heard? Has it not been declared to you from the beginning? Have you not considered the foundations of the earth? God is enthroned above the circle of the earth. Its inhabitants are like grasshoppers. He stretches out the heavens like thin cloth and spreads them out like a tent to live in. He reduces princes to nothing and makes judges of the earth like a wasteland. They are barely planted, barely sown. Their stem hardly takes root in the ground when he blows on them and they wither. And a whirlwind carries them away like stubble. To whom will you compare me? Or who is my equal? Asked the Holy One. Look up and see. Who created these? He brings out the stars by number. He calls all of them by name because of his great power and strength. Not one of them is missing. Jacob, why do you say? And Israel, why do you assert? My way is hidden from the Lord and my claim is ignored by my God. Do you not know? Have you not heard? The Lord is the everlasting God, the creator of the whole earth. He never becomes faint or weary. There is no limit to his understanding. He gives strength to the faint and strengthens the powerless. Youths may become faint and weary, and young men stumble and fall. But those who trust in the Lord will renew their strength. They will soar on wings like eagles. They will run and not become weary. They will walk and not faint. Let's remember who the Lord is, how great he is, and where, what, who we are, who he's called us to be, to come in, to, to receive our strength and our energy from him. He has everything we need, and we need to attune our ears and our eyes to him, to set our hearts on him, and, and run the race that he has set out before us. He's the only way forward. Father, we thank you for your goodness and love. 
we come before you and acknowledge our love for you, our need for you.